Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold, part of that short sentence. I'm awfully glad you joined me today. I'm so looking forward to, to meeting uh, my first guest. Uh, he has not only a, been a professional comedian and magician for 30 years, but he is uh, he loves to make people laugh, and he does it in a clean way, and that's my kind of guy. His name is Stephen Bargetsy, and I'm so glad to meet him. Stephen, welcome. Hi, buddy. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you, and me have, I suppose, a bunch in common, but we can go into that later. Uh, but what I think we have in common, first and foremost, is our love for uh, the Lord. Oh, very much, very much so. I uh, came to know the Lord when I was about uh, nineteen. Like, I mean, literally two weeks before I got married, and uh, you know, wasn't always understanding everything great, but it's been an awesome ride and. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy my time with him now. And, so, uh, yeah, Stephen, how did you talk your folks into getting married at 19? But they were wanting to get rid of me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they kind, of, kind of ran away from home. I, I was a very troubled kid. Okay. I mean, I was one of those guys that, uh, uh, that you know, had way more problems than, than worth it to my parents. So they were... I'd kind of ran away and was on my own since I was about 16, 17 years old. I was pretty much on my own. Wow. So you grew up fast. Pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. So was there an incident in your childhood or at a time in your life that was sort of pivotal? Did I, I probably asked that question wrong. Let me try again. You had an incident with a dog, didn't you? Oh, yes. You know what? Funny. I was going to go there anyway. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, but when I was a small kid, uh, when I was about two and a half, two years old, uh, my uh, dad was putting took me to a bowling alley and and stuff, and I went in and I just accidentally got put in the wrong room, and uh, he thought might have been a nursery, and it turned out so they had some guard dogs in there, and I was attacked by a bulldog, and and he took my face, part of my face back, and part of my tongue. That's why. So it's not your radio. It's not the radio or anything. I just talk funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So no one adjusts the dials on their radio. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Everything's okay. fine. Everything's fine. And uh, but when I was a little kid, I, I stuttered really bad. I stammered, and uh, I just had a little difficult time. And because of that, I was placed in a lot of special ed classes as a student and everything. So I kind of grew up thought I was stupid and. and and dumb, just that's what people kind of told you, and I believed everybody. I didn't really try too hard at anything in it, and it was all, you know, uh, getting uh, getting right with God and figuring it out, and then and I ended up running away to Nashville, Tennessee. I had a cousin down here that was coaching at Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. and uh, he's the one that kind of took me in and showed me what the real world was kind of like, and uh and stuff and changed my life and ended up I went to school and I, ended, I went to college and it, it took me six years to get in college because I didn't do anything in in high school but once, once I got there I did all right yeah Stephen let's go back to the kids that 
teased you, and I want you to send me their names and phone numbers, and I will take care of it. <laughs> I've already taken care of all of them. Oh. No, 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 okay. no, I have not. Okay. Uh, uh, but, no, we'll do it fine. Yeah, so there was a little trouble pronouncing pronunci- pronouncing vowels and consonants, so all of a sudden right. you were getting teased, and then that quickly made you feel like you weren't as bright as the other kids, and yeah, boy, yeah, it I just was, it goes was, from there. Yeah, it was easy to give up on yourself. You know, I just kind of thought, hey, you're stupid. I thought I can't say stuff. I also, I mean, this is a, related to it all, too. I was I went to Catholic schools, and... Um, uh, we you weren't allowed to be left-handed, and of course I was the only one in left-handed in my family, and and so I just thought you don't even know how to use your right hand and stuff like that. So I wasn't very good in sports and everything when I was young, just because I was you know using the wrong hand. So I just thought, man, you're stupid. You you're not smart, and you're not a great athlete. My my brother was a great athlete and uh, very smart. My sisters were smart. And uh, I just wasn't. So I just kind of, um, you know, that the prophecy of thinking, well, I'm dumb. I must be dumb. And I believed everybody. Yeah. So, Stephen, I w- was a Catholic kid myself, and I am hearing if this for the first time about the left-handedness. So was it you, you weren't allowed to write with your left hand or throw with your left you, hand? Or were they trying to bully you into going the other direction? Yeah, you wasn't. When, uh, I'm probably what, older than you. But uh, we weren't allowed to do anything left-handed. If they wow. You, they would hit you. You'd have to hold your hand out, and they'd hit you with a yardstick 10 times <laughs> on my knuckles. Okay. So it was, it was you know what? And with magic, I, it's a great story because God works things out. When I won, I won the IBM, International Brotherhood of Magicians, uh, in the year 2000. And then the next following year, I was, I was a judge in the contest, and one of the other judges, you had to sign like a little waiver or something. This guy said, hey, watch this guy. He's our next person. He goes, watch him sign his name. And I go, well, what did I Okay. So I did. And he goes, well, now you know if he's left or right-handed. So when he performs, you know which hand to look at. Oh, icky. So when I performed, I do all my magic left-handed. But I but I write anything a nun can see, I do right-handed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I always say those nuns made me a champion. Yes. So I'll take it. I'll yeah. take it. Because you have won a number of titles, uh, International Brotherhood yeah. of Magicians, first yeah. place in close-up, and you probably got stage awards, and you've got, I'm looking over your awards. you got a lot of awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's like, we're like Hollywood. We give them to each other. I know, I know. But if you... <laughs> If you want to send a couple to the studio, I'd be happy to put them up on my mantle, just so you know. I mean, uh, all right, all right. You know, you, you clean you clean stuff up a little bit. You send a couple my way. You know what? No one's going to question the awards. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's. I want to ask you more about uh, starting your your not only your your magic career, uh, but I also want to hear more about when you started to realize that your faith was the most important thing in, in your in your world. Yeah, well, I mean, almost, I, you know, so many people, when you when you first become, when I first became a Christian, God took everything away from me. I was, you know, I sold drugs, I did drugs, I, I drank, I did it all. Okay. Uh, I cursed. I, I, I mean, I was just not a good person. I mean, I hung around, because I, I hung out with punks and thugs, because they're the only ones that will accept you. You know, you just do what they tell you. <laughs> uh, you yeah. sell a car, you sell this, you do this, and, and I did all that stupid stuff. But once I, uh, you know, went forward and accepted Christ, 
he took it. I mean, I know it doesn't work this way all the time, but he took everything away from wow. me. My desire to, to do any of that stuff. I, I, I've never had a problem with any of that. And I don't, I don't, it, it didn't follow me any time after that. And so I, I was just around. My cousin was really good and good. He was just a great man that did a whole lot and showed me what it was like to be a Christian. And then I hung out and I ended up going to Chaveca Nigerian College or I went to a college. I started off, I thought that I had to be a pastor because I figured if you become a Christian, you, you got to be a priest or a pastor or do something. <laughs> and I actually had a professor tell me that, you know, he goes, hey, you know, you talk funny. I don't think you, I was still stud, stuttering uh, and I was probably about 19 and uh, 20. And he said, I don't know if God would call you to be a preacher. Maybe you should think of something else. And I, I was doing magic already at the time. And, uh, I was. I started off. Or kid around. I started off as a clown because um, it was so much easier. I had a great clown voice. I was afraid to be funny by myself, mm. but as a, as a clown, I thought it was okay. And I used to meet these other clowns that would go, "Oh man, you got a great voice for clowning. How do you do it?" And I try to talk them into, "You got to get a dog." <laughs> And you start there. <laughs> I don't mean None to laugh, but that's very quite, funny, Stephen. None of them was ever quite that serious enough to go that way and do it. But I, I kind of just, you know, the Lord has been so good, been so good to me and my family, and I think He's just always honored. And I think part of that comes from I've never in my life has I've tried to take any credit for any of this. Uh huh. You know, it's not me, and it's not, you know, my son does com uh, comedy, and God has been blessing him tremendously, and, uh, you know, we think that we got to, I, I just want to, I'm having dinner with him tonight now, and I'm going to remind him, it's not us. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not, I mean, this is all just a blessing and a gift from God. It's all by the, His grace and mercy, and uh, that, that's why we have, anything that we have comes from that. So I'm very, very thankful. I've always been thankful, and uh, you know, for that, for me, once I put my faith into Him, I've always kind of, kind of hung up there. But I got a great wife too, mm -hmm. and your family. She just walked out by me, so I, yeah. I had to say that while she walked by. And it also sounds, Stephen, like you got a great dog. So everything's <laughs> no, working in your world. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I don't have. We don't have a dog. I don't even know what that. Dog, no, I'm outside. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there's a dog in the in the neighborhood somewhere. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to go back. I'm fascinated by this time in your life where you're young and you've run away and you said to me that you not only cussed but took drugs. Did you ever cuss and take drugs in the same day? <laughs> Very much. Okay. Most time they went together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and then you got set free. And you know when you come to faith in Christ, you are. Or you are released from the enslaving power of sin. And it sounds right, like right. that's the work God did in your life, which is so spectacular. Right, right, right. And, um, you know, and it's, I mean, I don't know how much time we all have, maybe in the next segment, I need to tell you at the, the end part, because, uh, you know, when I left home, uh, I didn't, I had no relationship with my family, my parents. I went 12 years without really seeing any of them. I lost my dad died during that time. And, and I, you know, it's like, I wasn't even going to go to the funeral. I, I, I kind of blamed them for a while and then I didn't. And as a Christian, you know, you have to forgive them. And, um, 
and I did that I, the best I knew how, but I, I, you know, my mom, uh, died with, uh, COVID not in 2020. Oh boy. I'm so sorry. Uh, and, um, you know, but I got to see her the day before she died, you know, and I real and, and I kind of, you know, it's a long story, but my mom never, um, she never, uh, we were, we just never were really close, close. And she didn't like my faith and or she didn't understand it. And then my brothers and sisters, we just saw uh, none of us were ever close. I have a sister that knew that knows the Lord and, uh, but the other ones didn't, and they didn't understand what, you know, they thought that I thought, I always saw it as, I think I'm better than them and stuff like that. And it never was that way. And, uh, but my, I just had a chance to go see my mom the day before she died. And I was remember on the way up to go see her, I was thinking, this is her last chance to tell me she's sorry. You know, she's never seen, she doesn't know my kids. She doesn't know my grandkids. She didn't, she never took the time to ever get involved in my life or find out anything, which was all her own. She had so many problems. And I found out that at the funeral, God opened my eyes to see the life they had. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't know nothing about them, but my, my mom went through some horrible things as a kid and, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, so I mean, her life was changed and she, and she ran away about the same time I did and from Nashville went to Louisville, Kentucky. That's where I went to school. And then when I got her age, I ran away and ended up down here where she was. Wow. And, uh, so just kind of really funny, but, but when I went in to see my mom, uh, you know, she was all hooked up and she couldn't really talk but with her eyes and stuff. But, you know, it was just, I just realized God's grace and mercy. I just, I needed to ask her to forgive me. Wow. You know, I said, I, I oh should have been a better son. Yeah. Wow. I should have been, been, I, you know, I wish I would have made you see my family and not have brought them around. I just didn't, I didn't think she ever wanted to. So I didn't just never did do it mm-hmm. and stuff. So uh, God allowed me at the end to, Asked her to forgive me, which was a great, you know, it's funny how long it waits. I mean, it starts off, I was 16, and I was 65 when she died. Wow. Wow. Stephen, let me take a short break. Stephen Bargetzi is my guest. We'll be back after a short break. Listen to Faith Radio Live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app in your app store today. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. I'm back with Stephen Bargetzi. We're awfully glad to be hearing his story. And Stephen, right before the break, we were... You were telling us about your moment with your mother where you asked for forgiveness and you went there thinking she was in need of forgiving you. And that was a very strong moment. Thank you for sharing that. That was uh, amazing. Again, that's the God we serve and that he, he allowed that and, and then it gave me the opportunity to realize why I was really there. Because, you know, I thought, all right, she needs this. But I also, I mean, I was also the when I first became to know the Lord, I mean, I came, and this is what I ran my family off because I would go, 
uh, to all of them and saying, hey, y'all, y'all are going to hell. I was going to hell. We're all going to hell. You got you to accept Christ. You got to do this. And, and there, was, there was no love. And I, they had never really seen the change in me. It just happened so fast. And, and I've tried to share with my mom two or three times in her life, and it never worked out. And uh, so, but this time when I would go back and ask her to forgive me and tell her all this stuff, uh, again, I shared the gospel with her and, you know, and ask her, does she believe in all that? And I really think that I'm going to see her. We're going to have a long time and, you know, in paradise to kind of get to know each other where we didn't know. And I found, you know, and my other sister uh, was with her the morning she died and she also went through the same thing. So it was really interesting. And, uh you you know you got to pray that stuff like that happens. Yes, you do because we yeah. we never ever give up on anybody. No, no, no. That was right at the end and and stuff. And so um, yeah, I I did realize you know in the beginning you don't we don't know you know understand it's so hard to try to explain the grace you know what, what the difference in grace and mercy and and that we receive this. It's so much easier to say. Yeah, well, well we got to work. We got to earn it. We got to. You got to do all these rules, and don't, you just got to believe. Yeah, so simply stated, Stephen. You just have to believe, and yeah. give Jesus your allegiance. So that's that's awesome. All right, okay. um, you said you had a, another big story, and I can't wait to hear it. But that was before the break, so maybe you forgot it. Uh, no, no, no. That was uh, I was just going to tell you about my mom. I didn't know we had time. To oh, get awesome, awesome. So we did cover it. But right now, I can tell you right now. This again, what the Lord is doing. My son Nate is uh, has a brand new special out called Hello World. Yep, and it's, it's on uh, Amazon Prime, and he talks about growing up with Christian parents. Sweet, and it's very, very, very funny. And uh, he says that uh, I was he was born in. And uh, uh, his parents became Christians in the 80s. He says, I think that's when they were the most Christians. And he, he says he thinks Jesus had more fun than he did and uh, <laughs> was allowed to do and stuff like that. But it's very, very funny. But it's also put a target on his back a little bit, and which is good and bad. And I mean, it's good because we, uh, we are a Christian family, and we're not ashamed of it. And Nathan's not either. And he's willing to stand up, and we're very proud that he was doing so. But this year, I have decided I'm kind of backing off. I'm doing my own shows, and I'm just traveling with Nathan and opening for him. And uh, I'm only doing 18 minutes uh, instead of an hour and a half now. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's kind of nice. He pays way better. He makes way more money and pays me more money than I've ever been paid in my life. It's like. If he would have just asked me what I charge, he could have got off a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, well, you're you're making the right choice, just so you know. I like the 18 minutes set for more money uh, and probably better travel accommodations and everything else, right? Yeah, yeah. He has his own bus and uh, stuff. I, I I get it's great, and it's uh, he travels with good people, and it's good, and that's what's good about. For your audience and stuff, you can listen to anything Nathan does, and he's got a production company called Nateland Productions, and they put they got about four comics that they filmed, and you just know when you watch these guys, you're not going to see any, you know, hear no dirty words, yeah. they're not going to talk sex, they're not going to talk politics, yeah, uh, they're just going to be funny, yeah, and uh, you know, and that's what that's what we do, just, just you know, people just need to laugh and have a good time. I you don't need to know my opinion on what's going on in the world right now, what is that, you know, 
uh, that's between me and my family. We'll argue and talk all that stuff out. But the world just needs to come and enjoy life and laugh. Uh, I've said that for years and years, Stephen. It's like it's important to not only laugh, but then feel good about what you're laughing at. Oh, that's a great point. Great point. Sometimes yeah. you laugh at something and then you kind of cringe going, ooh, I shouldn't be laughing at that. But it struck yeah, you funny right. and you laughed, but then you didn't like it. And the stuff that's clean and, and wholesome, it gets into your bones and it sticks with you for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I yeah. like that. Are you, you're not writing that down, are you? <laughs> yes, I am. No. <laughs> I'll I, put it in my next little <laughs> Yeah. So let me ask you about um, your bride. I want to hear a little bit more about... Uh, your marriage life and our wife Carol, yeah. Your wife Carol, yeah. It's it's fantastic. We met in eighth grade. Okay. And, uh, I met her with like a "Do you like me?" letter. Somebody told me <laughs> yeah. I always kid around. I say I sent seventeen of them out. I got one back away from her. <laughs> and uh, I was still talking really funny, and uh, and and I I I spit because water gets in my mouth. So sure. I was a spitter. Yeah. Back then, and uh, still am today a little. But uh, so I didn't really talk to her. We went almost a year going together where we just waved at each other in the hall <laughs> and stuff like that. But we ended up going to the same high school. Nice. So I, only boyfriend, girlfriend we ever had with each other and stuff. And, and uh, she, her, my father was a, was a bad alcoholic. Her father was a bad alcoholic. And uh, but uh, so we had all that in common and stuff and her family all went off and got married really young her sisters and them kind of everybody you know were old the people was getting married if you if you turned 20 and wasn't married something was wrong with you mm-hmm. and uh you thought so, so we just got married i was still pretty i was just becoming a christian and her her parents offered me a thousand dollars cash money which was a lot of money to leave and and not marry her and uh that would have been a bargain for them. But later on in, in his life, her father, uh, who d- died an alcoholic also, but mm-hmm. I mean, he said that he goes, I, I don't know about all this Christianity stuff. He goes, but I saw it change you. And he said, and, and I know it's real because of you. Mm-hmm. And that was like the greatest thing he could, anybody could ever say. And uh, stuff that he saw the differences in my life. But it wasn't there, you know, when we, when I asked her to marry me, I was still a jerk mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, start Stephen, trying to learn to live. Yeah. Stephen, I've got one last question for you on your right. letter writing courting strategy. Did you say, if you like me, check this box? Yes. Okay. Yes. And and fortunately, she checked the box. So, well, for me, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. Appreci- I so appreciate you taking the time to share your story and and your uh, your life and all of the, um, the the beautiful stories you shared. So thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? We serve a God that's real. Yes, we do. And uh, and, and and you know. But people believe with that. I'm telling you the truth. We know, and we want you to know him personally, and you know it's real. Then it can it's life changing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, and have yes, a great sir. rest of the day. Yep, Stephen. I sure will. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Stephen Bargetz, he's been my guest. You can learn more about him at magicofstephen.com. Magic of Stephen, S T E P H E N. We'll take a break and be right back.
It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. I was glad to be studying God's Word with my friend, Dr. Greg Heddington, and we are jumping into a a series now, which will probably take many, many, many lessons, which I can't wait for, but we're going to study the book of Daniel, which I am very, very excited about. Greg, welcome. Thanks, Bill. I'm excited, too, and today we do start a new series in Scripture, and our study will be on the Old Testament book of Daniel, which is one of the most fascinating books of the 66 in Scripture. We'll look at the background today and the context for how the book of Daniel fits in. But first, let's start by taking a philosophical moment to think about how life appears to us. There is, within each of us, a longing for a few basic things. Purpose, joy, community, goodness, beauty. But when we look at what's going on all around us or listen to the latest news, we we get a different picture. I, for instance, take the Dallas Morning News, and 90% of it is bad news. And as I read it, I can see this continuing lack of civility, not just in our country, but in the world. So it's no wonder that many people view the world only as dark, chaotic, and broken. Yet things are not what they seem to be. How so? Because some of us know there is, if you're taking notes today, Roman number one, the unseen world. The unseen world is operating side by side along with what we experience every day. And on occasion, we get a sense of that unseen world. As the Apostle Paul says, quote, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's Second Corinthians 4, verse 18. Most people function only according to their five senses of sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. And yet sometimes, sometimes we catch a glimpse, even for a brief moment, of a different kind of reality, something out of the usual. For example, in, in a very small way, it's kind of like that experience we have when we're outside on a dark summer night, and out of the corner of our eye, we see a little flash of light. And we think to ourselves, what was that? And then a moment later, we realize, oh, that was just a firefly. But I'm talking about something that's much more significant and much more of a surprise than that. I'm talking about nothing less than the intervention of our Creator God into history, who introduces us to an unseen universe, which we're about to look at in Daniel. This unseen reality combines history with a cosmic reality which the Lord God wants all his people to recognize and embrace. Another way to say it is, most people believe this life is all there is, and then who knows. But Scripture tells us not only that there is much more after this life, but we have a purpose for existence now that is available to us. From the creator of all things, who has already broken into our history, so that we might actually know and love him just as he has proven his love for us. G.K. Chesterton, the brilliant journalist from England and author of dozens of books, writes this, We are all born upside down, 
But God wants to put us right side up. Scripture tells us that one day everything will be made right. There will be a new heaven and a new earth that will be joined, and all humans will know how life was intended to be, as every knee will bow to the master of the universe. The composer Frederick Handel puts it this way in his masterpiece, The Messiah, quote, The kingdom of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That line is a direct quotation from Revelation 11:15. So, Bill, we're now part ready for uh, Roman numeral two. Why well, study the Old Testament? Well, I love that so far, and I I love that you're referencing Handel's Messiah. As you were saying that, I was hearing the music in my head, which is just something I I can't ever get away from, which I love. That's almost so, cosmic. Yeah. Dr. Greg Heddington is my guest. Let's continue as we are starting our brand new study on the book of Daniel. And today we're just doing an overview. And and so far, I'm captivated, Greg. All right. Well, Roman numeral two, why study the Old Testament? You might say, well, I've studied books in the New Testament before, but I'm I'm not very familiar with the Old Testament. After all, I mostly just want to know about Jesus. Besides, those Old Testament books are really old, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they are, as a matter of fact. But that is a fair question to ask why the New Testament and Old Testament are both necessary to study in order to get a better understanding of our Lord and how the two Testaments blend together. Now, those of us who have read at least parts of the Old Testament have accrued a deeper understanding of what God is about than people who have read only the New Testament because the Old Testament gives us a fuller insight into some of the mysteries of our Lord. It's now time for famous quotations from famous people, which we will uh, get a little better understanding of this relationship between the Old and New Testaments. St. Augustine was one of the most brilliant people this planet has ever known. Now, that is not to be confused by what we have down here in the South, which is Augustine grass. Hmm. But Augustine (laughs) is the way theologians like to pronounce it, so we'll stick with that. Augustine's like, it's like he dropped in from outer space one day into the 5th century and landed in Algeria, which is in North Africa, just east of Morocco. Ironically, he did have a somewhat checkered background before he came to know the Lord. Yet even today, we are indebted to his original thinking on theology and philosophy. For instance, he was the first person to originate the idea that Genuine knowledge can be established with certainty. Now, that seems like an obvious fundamental truth in philosophical reasoning to us, but it was front-page news in the 5th century. Now, there's a catchy little maxim that Augustine used to explain the need for reading both Testaments, and I'd like to suggest you write this one down. Here it is. The new in the old concealed, the old in the new revealed. It rhymes, so it's a little easier to remember. He's talking about the New and Old Testaments. So let's look at that first phrase, the New and the Old Concealed. In other words, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, is revealed throughout the Old Testament, but he's only revealed in a hidden or indirect way in which does not become clear until we read the New Testament. Now the second phrase is, the Old and the New Revealed. In other words, the New Testament is saturated with Old Testament references, and because we've read the New Testament, we understand what those Old Testament passages mean. 
That's called progressive theology, which is not to be confused with progressive politics. Completely different. It means God reveals more of himself throughout Scripture. Now let's look at our book of Daniel. Perhaps more than any other Old Testament writer, Daniel clarifies for us one overriding truth, which is there are no heroes in Scripture except our Lord God. As admirable as Daniel and a few other people are in Scripture, they are never to be our focus because they're all flawed. We worship no one except the Lord God. So this book of Daniel is not a biography of Daniel's life. This book is not about the history of Israel. This book is not about the theology of the Jews, nor a book about prophecy, nor a book on the apocalypse. Those subjects are all included in this book, but they're not the emphasis. Yahweh, the Lord God, the creator of all things, is the focus, just like he is in all of Scripture. Also, as is true in all of Scripture, Daniel was not written specifically to us, wherever you are, whether you're in Minnesota, I'm in Texas. It was not written to us, but it was written for us. Big difference. Nice he distinction. He have an audience, mm-hmm. and he also has written for us. Now, we can glean truth from the Scripture, but Daniel was written specifically to the Hebrew nation to encourage them. Roman numeral three, a brief background to Daniel. For centuries, the prophets of God warned the rulers of the Jewish nation that their idolatry, immorality, and injustice to the powerless would lead them to national ruin. The nation of Israel had been one nation for many years, but it became divided into north and south kingdoms in 931 B.C. at the time of King Solomon's death. Now, a division of empires usually occurred after a king died, which is what later happens when the Greek ruler Alexander the Great dies in 323 B.C., and his Greek kingdom is divided into four different areas under the rule of his four generals. The the Jewish nation, though, was composed of 12 tribes. The southern kingdom was made up of the tribes of Benjamin and Judah, and the southern kingdom was referred to as Judah. The northern kingdom was composed of the other ten tribes, and that kingdom was called Israel. Over the years, God sent many of his prophets to the Jews in the north and south kingdoms in order to tell the people to be faithful to him, or they would face serious consequences. Well, the people of the northern kingdom were not faithful to Yahweh, and God allowed the Assyrian Empire to roll in, take the Jews captive, and assimilated them into the countries all over the Middle East in 722 B.C. The northern kingdom was never again called Israel until it finally became an official independent state 2,700 years later in 1948. Okay, don't get overwhelmed with all the historical dates, but the next date is critical to the background of our study of Daniel. The southern kingdom of Judah continued to survive, and sometimes they were faithful to the commands of God, but most most of the time they chased after false gods, even while listening to the dynamic preaching of God's powerful prophets named Jeremiah and Ezekiel. But ultimately, the Hebrews could not remain faithful. So in order to bring them back to the one true God... God sent the Babylonian army under the rule of the mighty king Nebuchadnezzar into Jerusalem to destroy it in 586 B.C. That's the date you want to remember. 
And after they rolled in like a great tidal wave from the ocean, they began to take the best and the brightest young Jewish men and march them 500 miles across the Arabian Desert to the eastern country of Babylonia and its capital, Babylon, which at the time was the biggest city in the world. Now, along with those young men traveling across the desert are four particularly young Hebrews whom we will look at in this book. And their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as well as a boy of about 15 years of age who had been happily living in Judah with his upper-class royal family, whose name is Daniel, which means in the Hebrew language, God is my judge. He and his three friends, whom I just mentioned, will become known throughout the world for their bravery in standing up to one of the most powerful rulers in ancient history. And now you know some of these critical events which put this book of Daniel into its proper historical context. Bill, I think that's enough for one, no, that, one part. That's a fantastic intro. All right, we will then uh, take a short break and then come back and continue our study. There's a brand new book study on Daniel with Dr. Greg Heddington. So we'll be right back in just a minute. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome back to the show. I sure love my friends. My friend that I'm getting to learn from today is a Bible teacher, Dr. Greg Heddington, and we're starting a brand new series on the book of Daniel. And so far, I am uh, very excited about this study, and, and thank you for giving us this overview. Let's continue. Well, Bill, we are starting a new study in the Old Testament book of Daniel. For the purpose of historical context, I'd like to review some of what we just talked about in the first half of this lesson. I've known some believers who said to me, I'm not interested in studying the Old Testament because I just want to know about Jesus. Well, the response to that is that in order to have a full understanding of our Lord Jesus, we need to understand what came earlier in Scripture. St. Augustine articulated it in a really helpful way for us to see that the two Testaments complement each other when he said this, the new and the old concealed the old and the new revealed. He makes it a little easier by the fact that he rhymes it, but what does it mean? Well, he's speaking of the Old and New Testament. The new and the old revealed, that means, first of all, that Jesus is revealed throughout the Old Testament, but he's revealed in a hidden way, an indirect way, which does not become clear until we read the New Testament. The second phrase is the old and the new revealed. That means that the New Testament is saturated with Old Testament references. And when we read the New Testament, then we come to understand what those Old Testament passages mean. Now we're going to see what an extraordinarily brave and righteous man Daniel was. But the real hero in the book of Daniel, and in all of Scripture, is the one true God. 
Regarding the context of Daniel, we need to know historically that Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the north and the south, and that happened in 931 B.C. after the death of Solomon. There were 12 tribes of Hebrew, of the Hebrews, and the southern kingdom was comprised of the tribes of Benjamin and Judah, and it was called Judah. By the way, years later it was changed to Judea, but at this point it was Judah. The northern kingdom was comprised of the other 10 tribes, and it was called Israel. Over many years, Yahweh had sent many prophets to his people, warning them that if they did not remain faithful to God, then there would be serious consequences. Well, in spite of that warning, the northern kingdom continued to chase after false gods. So, true to his word, God allowed the Assyrian Empire to attack the northern kingdom, capture the Jews, and reassimilate them all over the Middle East, and they just pretty much disappeared. That occurred in 722 B.C., and the name Israel disappeared with it until 27 years later. Meanwhile, the southern kingdom held on for another 100 years until God must have just gotten tired of the faithlessness of the people, and he used the Babylonian Empire with the mighty king who historically is very well known, King Nebuchadnezzar, probably the most powerful ruler in the entire world. He allowed the Babylonians to roll in like a tidal wave and begin the process of three different deportations of the Jews from Jerusalem to Babylon, which was 500 miles east across the Arabian Desert. This first deportation, which occurred in 605 B.C., was intended to take the best, the brightest, the most educated young Jewish men from Israel and assimilate them into the pagan Babylonian culture. Because they realized, what is the point of killing all of our prisoners when we can bring the best and brightest to our culture? Now think of this somewhat as, let's say, like a Rhodes Scholar program for the best and brightest young Jewish men. Of course, the only difference is, in this case, these young men were, number one, prisoners. Number two, had to march over 500 years, uh, sorry, miles, through the Arabian Desert. And, of course, number three, they did not have time to stop for high tea at 3 o'clock every (laughs) afternoon, Mm -hmm. which evidently is a very important part of British education, as I understand. Daniel will live in Babylon for 70 years, and Babylon was notorious, not only for its splendor, but also for its many gods and its immorality. Fifteen-year-old Daniel marched through the desert in 605 B.C. with his other young buddies, whose Jewish names were Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, who will eventually be known throughout the world when their names were changed in the Babylonian names, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, there will be two more deportations of Jews in 597 and 587 B.C., although in these two later deportations, the Jewish captives are not considered to be, let's say, among the elite of Judah. It's kind of like in sports. After the first big stars are traded, then you've got... um, they're called the players to be named later. Mm-hmm. They're they're just not quite as good. So that's kind of like the second two uh, departations. 
Eventually, there will be 20,000 exiled Jews living in Babylon. The prophet Ezekiel will be part of that second deportation, and he'll serve as priest and prophet while he's captive in Babylon. It's just after that third deportation to Babylon in 586 B.C., a date which everyone needs to know who studies the Old Testament, 586 B.C., that Jerusalem and the temple of Yahweh are burned to the ground. And it's a date that Jews still talk about and mourn about. I cannot imagine what it would have been like to be forced from the land you know and lived in your whole life and marched 500 miles across a desert to a foreign land in which everything you've ever known is different. Now, we know this happens to millions of displaced people across the world today, and it's tragic. But for to actually imagine being sent to a country, I'm thinking, like, what would that be like? Maybe, let's say, I've lived here my whole life in the U.S., being sent to a, a South American country. Let's pick Brazil, where the language, the food, the culture, the way of life, everything is absolutely unknown, and you're not able to return home. But when Daniel writes this book, he's giving hope to the Jews who have been displaced into foreign pagan lands, and to remind them how God still has a plan for their lives. Now, the heart of Daniel, the book of Daniel, is the good news, that even though empires and nations continue to rise and fall all over this planet, the kingdom of God will endure forever. Amen? Amen. Now, are we ready for the theme of this book? Bring it on, Dr. Greg Heddington. Here it is, Roman number four, God is in control of everything. Mm. That theme is true not only in every chapter of this book, but it is also true of every book in Scripture. No matter how things appear or have seemed throughout history, God is, has been, and will be in control of everything, even though we often do not understand how that works. But we do recognize it in retrospect. Of course, that's part of the unseen world that I talked about earlier in this lesson. But God is always there, and he loves us. Now, let's think about the stories in the book of Daniel. Now, I realize that some of you had a drug problem earlier in life. By that, I mean you were drugged by your parents to church (laughs) every Sunday when you were a child. Mm -hmm. It's a little play on words, although the verbal form drug is not correct grammar. But even so, as a child, you may recall that some of the epic stories of the Western world originated from this book. In fact, there are some common expressions used today, even if the person who uses them has no idea of the origin of the expression. For instance, have you ever heard someone say something like, Wow, Frank had no idea that he was walking into a lion's den. Ever heard that expression? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we will look at the origin of that phrase, lion's den, and Daniel. How about this one? Yes, it was time you left that job. He could see the handwriting on the wall. Oh, yeah. That is not just a random American expression. In fact, it's 2,600 years old. Mm. Now, when I was a child, and that's one thing all humans have in common, that we at one point were children. When I was a child, I remember hearing a Bible story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And since children like to sometimes make fun of things they don't understand... I remember some of us sitting around a table one night eating cookies, and one of them says, 
my snack, your snack, and to bed we go. <laughs> well, it's a little play on words, and it seemed clever at the time. I'm not sure it still is, but after all, we didn't know anyone in our school who had a Babylonian name. And actually, Bill, I hadn't thought about that little ditty in a long time, but it's, um, I guess, a window into um, my misspent childhood. <laughs> yeah. Or worse. Yeah. Now, you will, of course, want to read the book of Daniel along with hearing these lessons because no other book in the world has the transformative power that the Word of God has. And you'll discover your own insights as you read, just as the great philosopher Socrates once said, nothing is so well learned as that which is discovered. Why is discovering something on your own the best way to learn? Because when you discover something on your own, you usually remember it. Roman numeral 5, the last one, how can we apply this book of Daniel to today? Sometimes life seems out of control. As the poet William Butler Yeats once said, things fall apart. The sinner cannot hold. Anarchy is loosed upon the world. Well, I'm sure the Hebrews felt that anarchy had been loosed when they were forced to leave their beloved homeland and marched across the desert to Babylon as prisoners. We do not live as prisoners, but like the Hebrews, anyone who's committed themselves to the Lord knows we will be a minority. But the final question, is there a solid center in our life that holds while the message is around us? Yes, as we study Daniel, we will be reminded that God will do everything necessary in order to fulfill his promises and the covenant he made so many years ago with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Awesome, Greg. What a great start to the study. I am really excited about this. Thank you so much for getting us into the book of Daniel. My pleasure. You bet. That's all the time we have. Have a great night, everyone. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.